With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is the Hervoye Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Hello, world. Coming to you live from sunny Mexico, cartel territory. Uh, the next two hours, we have returning guests joining us. Gabe of LibreSolutionsNetwork.substack.com. He's up in Canada. And Dr. Reverend Michael J. Sutton joining us from Australia freedommatterstoday.com to talk about Christmas, um, you know, the, the Christmas time of year, as well as uh, what 2024 might uh, bring for us and anything else on his mind. Uh, as usual, feel free to chime in via our interactive live chat over at tntradio.live. You can message me through the contact through my contact form at tntradio.live during the show. Uh, and if you've got a question, I can ask it um, to my guest or uh, feel free to call in uh, as well and don't forget tnt radio merch i'm wearing my tnt radio t-shirt uh, as we speak so what's happening around uh, the world uh, i like this story this is from today yesterday hulk hogan i grew up uh watching hulk hogan as a kid in the 1980s and 90s i believe he's 70 years old and he uh, tweeted yesterday total surrender and dedication to Jesus is the greatest day of my life. No worries, no hate, no judgment, only love. And so he was uh, baptized along with his wife. And so his third wife, but you know, uh, the good news, whatever is going on is between him and uh, God. And I hope it is uh, wh what it needs to be so i thought that was great news hulk hogan the wwe wwf wwe wrestler uh what else we got going on uh rand paul tweets out proud to join thomas massey and a bipartisan coalition urging uh the president to drop the prosecution of julian assange the u.s shouldn't pursue an unnecessary prosecution that risks criminalizing journalism and chilling freedom of the press and he shares a link to people's dispatch regarding uh uk court to hear assange's final appeal against extradition in february in the hearing two judges will review an earlier decision to reject assange's appeal against his extradition to the u.s so maybe this is his last chance hopefully some good news hopefully he is not extradited to the united soviet states of uh america and hopefully he is freed successfully because if he isn't that sets a precedent for the rest of the countries of the world to do the same to anyone anywhere if you're a podcaster journalist in any country of any citizenship um if the, any government doesn't like what you're doing and, and you're within their reach they can toss you in the in the jail cell um until until forever basically uh we've also got uh I, I thought this was an interesting comment um development mike benz he's been on tnt before he does fantastic work and he's uh excerpted a, a clip from francis fukuyama yeah the francis fukuyama of, of end of history fame where basically francis fukuyama and the rest of the these other globalist liberals on the zoom call are talking about 
promoting or Orwellianism, uh, basically that uh, we should restrict the First Amendment, um, that uh, you know the level playing field and the marketplace of ideas are 18th century notions that should be issued and basically they're plotting how to end run the First Amendment. And I do like what Alexander Dugin says here. He says, globalists openly recognize that the freedom of speech is something to prohibit because it presumably opens the way to disinformation, expression of point of view that differs from their own. Excellent. That is where we are. Orwell comes from the West, not from the East. So a sign of our difficult times. More cyber polygon news. First American is the latest cybersecurity attack a victim this is from today first american is the latest real estate firm to suffer a cybersecurity incidents uh they have taken certain systems off line so just expect every day now every week news from corporations and governments around the world we saw recently in the us and italy um i can't even remember where else uh, but it's it's uh you know we, we, we've been warned uh, and that just seems to be the way the winds are blowing. Harry Dent, who I've followed for years, uh, he says uh, that 2024 will bring the biggest crash of our lifetime. I don't know if it will be the moment 2024, but uh, I think it will be really bad regardless of what happens. You know, people like Harry Dent. Again, I respect him, but, you know, the Peter Schiff's, the Harry Dent's of the world and others have made predictions. Sometimes they come true, sometimes they don't. Uh, but again, I respect all of those folks, very intelligent uh, people. Red Sea detours will prolong transit times by up to 30%. So again, supply chains are being stress tested. If you're making online orders, stuff is going to become late, maybe never even arrive, uh, and you'll be paying much more uh, for them. So hey, that's the great reset neo-feudalism. Uh, that we are experiencing in Argentina now contracts can be settled in Bitcoin the foreign minister has affirmed so uh, their stance on embracing Bitcoin basically for contractual agreements it's it's been approved that is uh, interesting uh, and some neo green colonialism news Importers of coffee to the EU are starting to scale back purchases from small farmers in Africa and beyond as they prepare for a landmark EU law that will ban the sale of goods linked to climate change. So again, they're hurting the you know small business people, small farmers in Africa because of quote climate change. So th this is basically again a new form of imperialism where uh, they're maintaining their wealth and power and keeping Africa and other part, the, 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 the developing world from developing under this lame excuse of the weather, climate change, right? Absolute uh, insanity. And then this one was great. Blue states in the U.S. are stripping rural counties of the ability to prevent green energy takeover of their communities. So again, this insane green colonialism now in the u.s rural areas are being deprived of the ability to reject massive green energy projects um, and, and to, to, to defend themselves so the corporations are winning over these local communities absolute uh insanity all right if you uh, ever miss your favorite tnt show you can always listen back 
when you want, whenever you want. Just go to episodes over at TNT Radio live we're also on all the major podcast platforms apple google spotify amazon podbean uh, and so forth there's no reason to miss anything on tnt radio going 360 on the headlines it's really well balanced conversation today's news talk radio tnt new legislation in the uk may give police the power to run facial recognition searches on databases containing images of Britain's 50 million driving license holders. Here with the story, joining me now, TNT Radio news producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Rafori. I got to say, uh, me here with my shirt and my tie in the studio, and this guy, this guy, Hervori, just bumming around the beach with this cool T-shirt. I must say I'm feeling a little uncomfortable and awkward, Hervori, but not nearly as uncomfortable and awkward as this story makes me because this is frightening. Uh, I'm kind of glad I don't live in the UK. Uh, British lawmakers are currently reviewing and discussing the provisions of the new criminal justice bill, which was introduced to the House of Commons in November. A proposal contained in Clause 21 of the bill relates to giving police access to driver license records. Records. That's right. Quote, unquote, particularly the photograph. Hmm. Under current law, police authorities must demonstrate suitable reasons before they are granted access to DVLA records, such as road traffic law violations. The idea is that driver's records can be used for facial recognition searches, where an image is retrieved from a crime scene from CCTV, which, according to policing minister Chris Phillip, might, quote, include a shoplifting offense, end quote. Ah, I see. Discussing the bill in Parliament on December 12th, Mr. Phillips said this would make, quote, the DVLA driving license database searchable by the police, end quote. What could possibly go wrong with that idea? Should the proposal become part of the new bill, it would also grant new powers to the National Crime Agency, NCA. Doesn't that sound good? Asked whether it would be, quote unquote, useful to have access to DVLA records for facial recognition matchings. The NCA Director General Graham Bigar agreed, adding that he would like to see more use of the technology. You don't say. Mr. Bigar said, quote, we use it within the NCA, but there is more we need to be doing within the NCA and across police forces in the round, end quote. Mr. Phillip also discussed the Clause 21 proposal with the CEO of College of Policing, Andy Marsh, and His Majesty's Chief Inspector of Constabulatory, Andy Cook. The policing chiefs said they were supportive of the proposal. Mr. Cook added that police actions on facial recognition must be, quote, ethical and lawful. End quote. Of course, he added, quote, I'm a big supporter of facial recognition used in the right way. And I think that opening up that database would benefit the detection of crime. End quote. In the discussion of the new bill, MPs also heard that facial recognition technology, also known as FRT, could perpetuate, quote, unquote, racial bias when it fails to accurately identify people with darker skin tones. The General Secretary of the Union of Shop, Distributive and Allied Workers, Patty Lillis, has called on lawmakers to ensure that FRT is, quote, tight and robust, end quote, in order to avoid racial bias. Privacy International reported last month that British MPs are, quote, 
sorely ill-informed about facial recognition technology in the UK, end quote. They did a survey, and a survey of about 114 MPs conducted by Privacy International. They discovered that over two-thirds don't know whether FRT is used in their own constituencies. Most of the respondents didn't know there was no specific UK law pertaining to FRT. The advocacy officer at PI, uh, Privacy International, Josie Thume, said, quote, our MPs are asleep at the wheel, which undermines everyone's privacy in public, and they need to wake up, end quote. Well, this is a scary thought that they would consider allowing these people to do this, Harori. Um, do you think this is a Pandora's box that should never be opened? I think we're way beyond Pandora's box uh, having been opened. By, by the way, you know, for the past couple of years, I've been um, thinking about driver driver's licenses because I've got two, one from the U.S., one from Mexico, Um and I had thought about getting one in Croatia last year, but in Croatia, in order to obtain the Croatian driver's license, you have to um, give up your foreign license. And the trick there, you can give it up. And then I just go back to Mexico and say, I lost mine and I get another one. And then I get three driver's licenses. And, you know, this is a trick I've had. I've, I've had guests on uh, like my advance from my Latin life or recently Chris, Chris from Global sovereignty solutions and and you know Mikel Thorup of expat money and that's one trick when when it comes to internationalization get multiple passports get multiple driver's licenses and so you can kind of go around um the system you know and so if I'm using a foreign license in uh a country then they they I, I don't think they'd have access to my uh you know a photo for facial recognition in their systems but you know, it's I, I, I mentioned the other day here in Mexico, we, we've heard of Pegasus, the Israeli uh, software whose first customer was the government of Mexico, which is illegally unconstitutionally being used here in Mexico to spy on us. They can basically take off, take over your your, your cell phone. Um, and now there was another software called Titan. And this kind of reminds me of this story that you're talking about uh, re related to this Titan software that's being used by, again, Mexican authorities here and cartel members because the cops, Mexican cops, resell the licenses to cartel members. And so basically using the Titan software, what it does is it's a database of databases. So they have this database and then they try to link the cell phone database, ISP's database, bank account database, um, national ID database. So then they can collect all these different, um, you know, focal points or, or nodes to, to be able to, to find the person, control the, the information, um, find the person to extort them, to kill them, whatever. And so I, I kind of feel like this story here is, again, they want to... It's the algorithm ghetto. They want to link all the, the the databases together, your driver's license database to your bank account to the facial recognition, and so at any you know in, in some future point, if you get out of line, you know it's just a snap to 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 catch you, to penalize you, to throw you in jail, to disappear you. Uh, your further thoughts on this, Ruckus? Well, and then there's because this is I was reporting on a similar kind of story. Okay, so first of all, to understand that this this thing happening in the UK is all based around supposedly, allegedly, the premise of fighting retail theft, shoplifting. They're they're, they're trying a zero tolerance approach to shoplifting out there, I guess, or something like that. So that's how this whole thing got 
started this idea because they want to check shoplifters against like, oh, well, yeah, we know who you are. Kind of like, you know, you see a, a car at the scene of a crime uh, driving away, but you get their license plate number, that kind of idea. So that's that's how it's being like the foot is being slipped in the door. But there was a story here in the U.S. where Rite Aid, I think, has just been banned by the FTC or by somebody. They're not allowed for the next five years to use facial recognition to stop shoplifting. Like so explicitly. And it seems the only valid argument that valid, but the only argument that's being bandied about in the fight against the use of facial recognition is like in this story where it's this idea that facial recognition is somehow racially biased. It's not woke or diverse enough, apparently, or something like that, Whereas, like there's a much bigger problem that needs to be discussed about it. It's just interesting. They always bring up the racial bias in AI facial recognition, Rory, that's all. I think I have heard that certain, I mean, I, I, my personal belief is there's only one human race and the pigmentation uh, varies on our skin, but I, I, I have read that people with, you know, darker or, or lighter skin, I forget which one was um, the issue, but people of a certain skill, skin color, um, the facial recognition detects uh, uh, more erroneously with that certain uh, skin color. So again, that that's a problem. Uh, and I, I think I did see somewhere some government or in some part of the world recently for now blocked facial recognition because too many false positives. You're getting people who are getting in trouble, arrested, convicted, and then later it fi they find out that it was um, wrong because the facial recognition, it's not a perfect uh, tool. So, uh, all right, Ruckus, we'll catch up with you in a bit. We've got Gabe of Libre Solutions Network joining us to talk privacy, surveillance, cybersecurity, and fun stuff like that. We'll be right back. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative. And she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around so that's not really taking off the way they want to either and then she said something very interesting she said you know what when the water crisis comes people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water and if you don't have water for a few days at a time you'll know all about it so maybe you know we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a world economic forum type narrative could this be what it is locked in Loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk TNT Radio. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40. California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a thousand dollar a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. The mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%. 
near 99.8% survival rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people are saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. LA County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, returning to the Rebel transmission is Gabe uh, coming to us from Canada, or as I like to call it, FEMA Region 11. Uh, of the nor of, of the Canadian sector of the North American uh, Union, LibreSolutionsNetwork.substack.com is the website. Uh, welcome back. How's it going, Gabe? It's fantastic, and uh, it's great to join you here. Oddly enough, I didn't know Canada had a designated uh, FEMA region, though. To be honest, I was always curious what it was, so it's good to know that uh, we're eleven up here. I'm just trying. I'm just extrapolating. You know, if we got ten mm. regions in the in, in the U.S., uh, Mexico's probably FEMA Region Twelve. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, the, the the Mexican sector of the North American Union, all under Southcom Southern uh, Command, and uh, a lot is always going on. Uh, Gabe, you know, the the hits keep coming on the cyber uh, front. But, uh, you know, to start, maybe what, what's uh, you're the expert uh, when, when it comes to privacy, surveillance, cybersecurity and all that. Uh, what, what are some things you're looking at? Well, the thing that kind of worries me the most is that I think, you know, the Elon Musk operation has done an excellent job basically buying goodwill. People are like thanking him all the time at, wow, it's so amazing. He saved free speech online. And I hate to say it. That's not how I see it at all, especially with the laws across the world. You know, I was uh, with you talking last time about the EU's big push. Now I've got an excellent update update from Michael Geist talking about Canada's big push for, you know, uh, age verification for, you know, ostensibly it's for pornography websites, but it's also anything where it can be accessed such as search engines and link aggregators like Reddit. So it's like there is this kind of crowbar being used, which is the age verification to push for, you know, total 
identification of people online, you know, over identification. And I saw Patrick Breyer from the European uh, Pirate Party basically feeling backstabbed by the EU because it's like, look, they're still pushing for this online identification. And I really do see on, you know, our digital landscape, they are simply plugging all the holes that they identified throughout the COVID, you know, era. And this is really their chance to consolidate any controls they need to grab before maybe next time who knows what the hell they're going to do next i think it's more likely that this is just a way to grab more digital surveillance control and really stamp out dissent you know with what you know wars we see coming up who knows what new measures will be introduced under wartime concerns yeah and you see many governments doing this um china i think has a very strict policy and i don't want to say you know it's not the chinese causing this it's um i i find a lot of this totalitarianism emanating from washington brussels and and london you know it's not china doing it china's on their own um gone down that road and separately we are uh as well so it's not like you know beijing is the source of this uh evil uh in, in insanity but I think China has very strict controls. You know, they've you know the WeChat stuff. Um, I think their national IDs are are, are linked a lot to, to to do being able to do anything. And so now, what's happening in in Canada? What do you think? You know, if we just extrapolate, if these bills get passed, what what will sort of life look like in in Canada, for example? Digital. Well, the problem. The problem is we are seeing already, you know, they're starting to regulate, you know, the podcast they're going after anyone with over $10 million. And it's like they're really doing what they can to consolidate the media landscape here in Canada that I honestly believe if it was within reach, you know, if enough corporations uh, went along with it and if they were able to get the enforcement side of it, they would absolutely love to control every single idea that people are allowed to get access to. And this is fundamentally what I see this is all about. You know, corporations were given so much control because everybody opted into these large tech platforms and that gave them an immense you know amount of power over discussion online that ended up being abused it's really only when governments started wanting to get in on that arguably that has always been there but it's obviously gotten way more extreme over the last couple of years and i really do see this as corporations and governments wrestling for control over you know total online discussion and court the states are basically winning over the corporations. I don't think the corporations have any real need or desire to fight back because, well, corporations are, you know, a legal entity anyway, so they're always beholden to a government to a degree. But then to go even further, you know, you mentioned uh, China's great firewall. I actually found out recently that they are exporting the technology to other nations to re-implement the same system. You know, this isn't something that, oh, it's over there and it's not going to affect anyone. Odds are, you know, people have family abroad in regions that are starting to become affected by these things. And if it's like, if we want to protect the idea of a free and open internet, at least within, you know, relatively free nations, we're going to have to take a lot of things more seriously. And I think having your own, you know, inner, you know, digital infrastructure helps, but I also think communities and, you know, even 
organizations as large as towns need to start thinking about, are you connected within each other? Because if you're just using giant corporate lines, you know, a lot of people focus on the storage, you know, where's your data? Is it on the cloud? Uh, where's the compute? Is it on their servers or your servers? But I also think the, you know, connections between communities is also going to become very important as we see ISPs themselves you know, participating in censorship over the last uh, probably year or two. Yeah, and just on China, I, I re Russia recently was uh, banning more uh, VPNs uh, as well. And so everywhere freedom is, is they're limiting it more uh, and more real quick. Gabe, we're going to jump to the headlines. I have some good news. Uh, uh, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Ed Meese, a former attorney general, together with law professors Stephen Calabresi and Gary Lawson, submitted a legal brief to the Supreme Court challenging the constitutional validity of special counsel Jack Smith's appointment by Attorney General Merrick Garland. Carl Rove, a well-known political strategist, expressed his view that the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to remove former President Donald Trump from the state's ballot will ultimately work in Trump's favor. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda, it never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. We're talking to Gabe, who's up in Canada. I'm down here in Mexico. His websites are libresolutionsnetwork.substack.com, also libresolutions.network. And uh, there are a number of other, other developments I, I want to get your thoughts on, Gabe. But one of them was, uh, I shared this with you uh, earlier. I got it from Vox Days Telegram. Uh, he's a dissident on the right. I mean, uh, you know, I, I listen to dissidents from across the spectrum, dissidents from the left, the right, neither category uh and, and um you, you know dissidents usually get things right and he sh he's got a lot of interesting insights on his telegram but one of them i shared the story with you about was about leaving uh, the cloud and it was about a company uh, that just said you know screw it we're just going to build our own cloud it's the unorthodox thing to do it's the dissident thing uh to do and they projected that it they would uh, over the next five years save seven million dollars and so the, the the ceo i mean this is awesome they just said um they 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 placed an order of six hundred thousand dollars worth of dell servers got them set them up you know stopped paying for the, the this private cloud uh service and put everything on their own uh, and they're good to go and and I thought this was an awesome thing. Um, your, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'm not shocked at all to hear about the massive savings, considering just how much, you know, many of these tech providers have had to raise their prices over the last little bit, you know, with interest rates going up and, you know, there's a real crunch on their financing. Even uh, Twitter, Reddit, and uh, some other sites were basically forced to ramp up their pricing to end users and, you know, third-party apps. So it's not surprising at all that the cloud is becoming a worse deal over time, as bad as it was to begin with. But I think it's important for people interested in getting started, you know, hosting their own infrastructure, whether it's for dissident purposes or honestly just, you know, cost savings, which is a pretty valid reason to consider it, you know, 
there are three primary resources in cyberspace, as I like to think it. You have computing power, so like how powerful your CPUs and graphics cards are, your storage, you know, how much physical, you know, files can you hold on to, you know, hopefully with some amount of redundancy. And then the last is bandwidth. I think most people understand storage and computing power pretty well, but I think bandwidth is the most opaque. So I would estimate most of their savings were probably on storage because cloud storage, at least until quite recently is pretty expensive. If you, you know, set up a large VPS that has a huge, you know, solid state hard drive, that will cost you quite a bit monthly versus, you know, having just your own hard drive spinning on a server at your own machine, that's pretty inexpensive. But if you go off premises, you might notice one of the things that might offset your savings is you need a very high powered connection to be able to move all that data from your place to wherever you're trying to ship it through. So the connections themselves really do matter. And that's probably one of the most important things to consider is when you're trying to pull away from the cloud, are you making sure to secure enough bandwidth? But if you really don't need a whole lot of bandwidth, if you're not interested in serving, say, the entire internet, you're just in your local region, you could probably do a great deal just with a couple of powerful computers and some old hard drives lying around. Yeah, that's fascinating, and uh, hopefully we see more of this type of beha behavior going forward. And 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 we'll get to this. You, your recent Substack, you you talk about Operation uh, Bankroll, and I think one of them is um, doing something like what this company just uh, did. But I, I did want to get your thoughts on Signal. You know, Kit Clarenberg of of Gray Zone, but I think he I think he wrote a separate piece for his Substack uh, on Signal, which was fascinating. How they're losing their uh, funding basically, and they were, you know, a, a CIA signal is a CIA tool. He explains how a signal and other such items were key components in running regime change operations around uh, the world. And you know, signal was financed. I think the Open Technology Fund, which you know got got its financing basically from the Pentagon and you know other such uh, out outfits. Uh, and so uh, maybe signal is no longer useful. Uh, anymore to the Pentagon or, or CIA, whatever. Uh, but you know, Kit also made the point that many phones have Signal installed uh, now, and maybe there's some uh, back door where uh, somehow the government can can see something. Uh, but your your thoughts on Signal losing its its funding uh, and, and any other re related themes there? So I think the first thing to consider is that they you know the spies need working tools too just because the spies are funding software doesn't necessarily mean it does not do what it says on the tin there have been a lot of long-running criticisms of signal the big three i would list off the top of my head is people were concerned that it required a phone number to sign up you know this is at least a data point that while even though they may or may not have stored you know in a way that can be traced back to you. Fundamentally, that was a concern people had. The second thing was that there, at, at least a couple of years back, there was not a server implementation. You couldn't host it yourself. Now, arguably, that was a benefit because then suddenly it's harder for people to trace over the wire who is talking over Signal. You just know these many people are using Signal. And the last criticism that really kind of came up uh, before that was its integration with Google Play. And so I feel like it's impossible to talk about any Android app as if it exists in a vacuum, where if you are on a phone running Google Play services, we found out recently that, you know, Apple and ostensibly so 
are Google, you know, tracking people through your notifications. So Signal may not actually need to be compromised for them to get the same information off people using Signal if they're not taking the extra step to, you know, de, you know, disentangle themselves from Google. I am a little bit concerned that the discussion about Signal in regards to the Open Technology Fund is a little simplistic. For instance, if you open that post, here's a list of other projects that are also in the Open Technology Fund, which were uh, Canine Mail, which is a very you know reasonably pop popular email app for Android, as well as the Tor project, and a, a WireGuard as well. That was another one that stood out to me. And I don't believe that it, something being funded by the Open Technology Fund means it's broken. In fact, it might actually be a sign of quality if they actually need it for spycraft. It needs to at least fulfill a purpose. And so actually in response to this uh, debacle, as I didn't consider, because I always considered it a bit of a hit job on privacy tools, because I think it is a little irresponsible to shoot down an option without presenting alternatives. You know, it is important to realize we do need to take responsibility for the tools we're using. And so I did a bit of a deep dive over Tor because, you know, there's a lot of criticisms over Tor, especially over a while. And part of it is that Tor is kind of discussed mostly in terms of an anonymity tool, but it also has another function. The other function Tor has is that it works to cir circumvent internet censorship. When you have the Great Firewall of China, when you have, you know, this ISP level disruption, Tor is built to evade that. And so one of the problems I've saw when I would see security researchers commenting uh, on the state of Tor, and again, this is better than just talking about funding. They were actually looking at what are the bugs that are in the system that can potentially, uh, you know, identify users. And so one of the things people found was that, you know, there were some circumstances where there was essentially a trade-off between censorship evasion, censorship mitigation, and privacy. And so that if somebody was just using Tor for privacy, that's a serious problem, just like it would be if they were just using it for censorship evasion and then they're private, but then they can't access everything. So it is a very complicated landscape. And I do think people are kind of prone to want the perfect solution, which is why in response to this entire discussion, I kind of wrote a bit of a blog post about, on my Substack about how like there is no perfect web messenger, you know, uh, instant messenger, you know, signal is a recommendation that a lot of people will pick. And I still don't think that's a bad recommendation because if your alternative is, you know, Facebook or, you know, Google or some other equivalent, I still think it's probably sound, you know, as far as I'm aware, there hasn't been an independent researcher who's proven it is broken in this way. Um, but the challenge is that there are criticisms of signals and you do have to take care to actually set up your environment that it's not just the app that's you're, you're, making sure is secure. You also have to make sure your entire ecosystem is properly set up. And so part of it is that the Messenger app can't protect you from Google Play services, can't protect you from all these other things. But then even worse, fundamentally, is, you know, when it comes to messaging, it's a way bigger problem than most people think. And even questions like network security, which is even before you start writing the Messenger app, makes things very complicated. You know, if we have ISPs using root certificates to man in the middle everyone in their country, which is what the EU proposed in their IDIS, you know, digital ID regulation, it's a moot point. It doesn't matter what system you're running or you need something that's entirely different, which is a whole lot more work to maintain. Yeah. And I, I you mentioned canine mail and WireGuard. I, um, I haven't done the deep dive on there. I don't know that the Open Technology Fund uh, financed those. I do use canine uh, mail and I, I think it's, it's, it's good. And uh, I think some of the services I use also use uh, WireGuard as well, which I believe is supposed to be uh, 
uh, faster. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess I, I couldn't disagree with you uh, there. And you mentioned the notifications. I, I don't think we discussed that last time. There was a um, recent story on how, and I, I mentioned this here on TNT, on uh, how Google Android phones and Apple, uh, now that the notifications, basically, they're sent to a cloud and that uh, governments can then, they're not accessing the app um or, or your phone they're just going to the cloud and then they can see you know i was just you know correct me here if i'm if i'm wrong i'm just using logic but you know there's been this talk of uh, whatsapp for example or, or signal or whatever end-to-end -end encryption uh but it's kind of, that becomes a moot point no because if if a message that is sent to you on whatsapp is shown in your notifications governments can see those messages so they go around the end-to-end -end encryption uh no what are your thoughts on um this story that broke uh and, and its implications well this is where i really try to hammer home the idea of a threat model because one measure will not protect you from every single scenario you know i do think there is a bit of simplistic thinking where people are like oh i just want this one thing and it'll protect me from everything but like when it comes to state surveillance that is a very complicated beast to tackle i actually think defunding state surveillance is probably more effective than trying to out engineer it however when it comes to these kind of measures, end-to-end -end encrypting your messages still matters because then if you're on like, you know, a uh, hotel Wi-Fi or something so, or, you know, other unsecured network or somebody has access to your network, those kind of techniques help protect you in other situations that do matter even though, yes, the, you know, governments of the world do still have a, you know, way to peer into people's communications. It's important to realize that, and, and this is why I'm a huge fan of gradual improvements. I do think people do need to take meaningful steps, even if it won't protect you from, you know, the super high-end level of state surveillance. Though, the troubling thing about state surveillance is that obviously the tools of doing it are going to get so much better. You know, probably back uh, a couple of years ago, you know, a decade ago, they wouldn't have had the tools to process all the information being collected. I think what we're seeing in the last couple of years is that's catching up. I personally predict that, you know, real-time interventions will become normalized in the sense that, like, you know, the social credit system would have been something impossible to pull off in the past. But now with, you know, all the real-time monitoring tools that exist, it's easier to build a system like that. And so I do think state surveillance while something that's very difficult to out engineer or evade on your own it is a very important priority to be concerned about and figure out how we can resolve either locally with our own governments or even internationally you know when it comes to the larger networks yeah and i think the point that you made i i uh, live by that uh, as well that security is like a an onion you know just by you know there's no you know getting a de-googled phone is not going to save you using you know linux is not going to save you it's you, you got to have that end-to-end -end encryption uh messaging app um and, and then you you've got to have a find a way to deal with the notifications you know r revealing um you know that leak there you know i i i mentioned how i turned off all of my notifications a long time ago because i want to control my device i don't want my device to control me and so it's it's just um, a whole series of things you, you have to deal with uh when it comes to privacy and and, and protecting um uh, ourselves it's time for our break gabe again the websites are libretesolutions.network libretesolutionsnetwork.substack.com we'll be right back give me a minute 
with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. This was Simone Sanders back in 2016, November to be precise. In my opinion, we don't need white people leading the Democratic Party right now. This was her last week on her own MSNBC show. Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard a high crime or misdemeanor yet. I, I completely understand. Are you going to let me answer the question, ma'am? I know you're a Democrat operative. You work for a Democrat consultant. Oh, now, firm, all right, Congressman. Let's do it then since we're here. We are out of time, but we're going to do it. I used to, I did used to um, advise, I did used to advise a number of individuals. I've also advised some corporations and companies, but here I'm just here to be an advocate for the viewer. And I will ask you one last time, what is the evidence that the committee has that Joe Biden, while he was president, committed a high crime misdemeanor or treason? Well, you have to ask yourself, ma'am, why does a vice president or a president get $40,000 through a, a Chinese Communist Corporation that's All been right, well, obviously- with that, thank you all very much, Congressman. It's always a pleasure, but you just can't come on here and lie. Simone Sanders only survived her racist, we don't need white people remark back in 2016 because she's a radical leftist. And she eventually got her own show, and now she's able to tell a white male Republican congressman that he's a liar after she cuts his mic off. Only in America. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They faced exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. This is the Hervoy Morat Show on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. It is our final segment here with Gabe Libre Solutions Network. Substack.com. Do subscribe to his uh, his channel, his stack uh, as well. Libre Solutions. Network. If Substacking isn't your thing, and uh, maybe just to take a pause for a moment from uh, the, the cyber world and uh, get your thoughts, Gabe, on you know we're going into 2024 how the whole Great Reset project is going. Um, there's more and more talks of cyber attacks, right? Cyber Polygon. Net- Netflix just dropped that Obama-produced film of predictive programming related to cyber attacks. Uh, there was this civil war 
film now. Uh, the trailer was released. It's coming out in April, I think, about you know Texas and California seceding. Uh, do you have any thoughts on you know what, what's going on with the new world order and what uh, 2024 might bring? Yeah, definitely lacking a crystal ball. I don't know what exactly is in store. I think it's a safe uh, assumption during you know election season that things will get chaotic. I do think a lot of it is about really hyping up fear. You know, it's like anything they can do to kind of shake the bottle that everybody's kind of contained in. You know, that does a lot of things. You know, I hate to say it, it's very profitable to get people to freak out and make them make short-term decisions because they think the collapse is coming in a month when maybe, you know, what's in store is a little bit more gradual and, you know, grinding people into dust kind of a way. So I do think it is important to be measured, you know, realistic and cautious, no matter what we are, you know, kind of facing. And it's fundamental that no matter what is in store, you know, having people you can trust is really the only thing that will keep anyone safe, uh, you know, in the long run. But what I'm kind of really looking forward to in 2024 is I think the resistance to all of this is really just getting started because, you know, 2020 was nuts. You know, so many people were basically caught by surprise, you know, even if they were relatively awake, you know, I considered myself quite, quite awake and I was still, you know, felt uh, blindsided by a lot of what was going on. And, you know, things have kind of steadily progressed. And I think one of the things that's kind of, hard to appreciate is I think the overall resistance had more of an effect than we see, you know, not everybody is getting their word out. You know, there's so many people who are participating in these protests that we're not going to know their names. We're not going to know all the people who are at the freedom convoy or at many of the other anti-lockdown protests or anti, you know, go protests in general. And actually it's that silent act of withdrawing from the insanity or the tyranny is what's really working. And there was this amazing, you know, honestly, I was I was shocked. I was, you know, I couldn't believe it when I saw this. The Bank of Canada did a, you know, survey basically asking Canadians what they thought about the what they called it, the Canada Bank Digital Dollar, RCBDC. And actually, a majority of Canadians said they wouldn't use it in that report. And they were actually quite negative on the whole, you know, CBDC project, which... Truthfully, is not what I would have guessed based off uh, people's revealed preferences. So maybe people will pleasantly surprise us overall. And I think, you know, there are a lot of great organizations out there really pushing back. You know, I'm a huge fan of the FLCCC, the Canadian COVID Care Alliance, you know, the World Council for Health. You know, there are a lot of great organizations that are really, you know, starting to get real traction. And I think with how many people who fought so hard to push back, to record information, to really get the truth preserved, you know, I've, I've found a lot of people I've considered heroes really over the last little bit and they're not done. They're not like, Oh, we did it. It's over. You know, they're continuing to press on. And honestly, I think it's equal parts inspiring and something to get really excited about because it's clear that we have a real opportunity. Yeah. And, and just today I was asking back, um, some of my past TNT guests from earlier this year or last year, um, Canadian guests that were involved or participated with the convoy um, or in other walks of life to, to get them back out, to, to get their thoughts as to where we are. Uh, this fallout, the, the fallout, you know, uh, continues the tyranny, continues, as you mentioned, with these bills uh, now that are going on in Canada. And uh, I got an email from a listener and they uh, ask, you know, what other de Google methods do you recommend i i i read that as you know what other things that can we do 
to protect ourselves apart from they list websites from the EFF.org, uh, you know, surveillance, self-defense, EFF.org is a resource resource page, a privacy webinar.com. Uh, of course, they can go to your website uh, and, and and others, but, um, you know, we got five minutes left. Any, any, any other thoughts, you know, for this listener and others as to what one can do? As you mentioned earlier, I don't think there's not one thing you can do. And this this takes time. You got to sit down. You got to figure stuff out a bit, or find someone to help you. But you know, having the Google phone, um, having Linux, or at least having both. If you have Windows, you can dual boot it uh, into Linux and Windows. Um, you know, just a whole list of things. Just uh, in, in, in other key points uh, here, uh, Gabe. I would also say, you know. It, a lot of it comes down to habits. You know, you don't necessarily have to rush out to buy something right away to learn most of the skills you're going to want in, in withdrawing from a lot of this stuff. You know, when you're still on Windows, you can install free open source software like, uh, you know, GIMP for, you know, editing photos. You know, there's a lot of great free software that is built for Windows as well. But then on top of that, you know, what you're going to want to do is part of the reasons why breaking from away from the cloud is so important is that you're not locked into their stuff. If you're using stuff like Canva, you know, to design your images, you're going to want to learn how to use software to design your own images, you know, on your own machine. If for no other reason, then, you, you know, it's on your own stuff and you're not dependent on them. If you're, you know, no longer allowed to access the service or whatever the issue ends up being. So you can actually start in really simple ways from the beginning, which might actually be something uh, worth covering uh, in the future. But, you know, this is the thing that's really worth keeping in mind is that it really shouldn't be so much about, oh, I need to buy, you know, this new amazing thing that's going to, to fix anything. It doesn't need to be a commercial product. It really can just be, how am I going to disconnect myself from these services that are honestly overtly hostile? You know, they're not working in people's interests and they are, you know, collaborating with evil forces and so it's better if you analyze in your own life what you would like to do instead you know a lot of people choose to do things in a more analog way you know maybe sending letters to close friends instead of you know actually communicating online you know for certain types of communications there's a lot you can do in that regard but then you know the things that you do need to do online that's when you need to figure out how you want to set your proper limits whatever that may be and you know i'm a huge fan of people switching to linux i think it's actually come a long way though i will say it's not a panacea you know you do have to still be careful you know while it's harder to get viruses if you're safe about using you know ad blockers and things like that it's it's, it's a serious task and i think one of the things that i'm you know i've been working right now to write something about network security because i think network security is very poorly understood because of how complex it is and it's not something you can kind of do in an easy 101 and so it is really important to take things seriously and to spend the time to learn but don't be intimidated by having to learn everything all at once you know there are small simple changes you can do because even just not proactively handing that data over to google or apple or whatever uh the case microsoft as the case may be just simply having the ability to compute on your own terms will go a long way. And maybe once you've withdrawn enough, you can go get by with simpler devices. The last thing I'd also want to leave on this point is that it's really useful if you can find a ways to circumvent, you know, email and regular text messages, because those are kind of, I hate to say it, a lost cause from a security perspective. And actually a lot of problems are, you know, caused by trying to still interface with those systems. If you're communicating with people and having amazing voice calls over XMPP or Matrix or, or you know, one of the clients that supports either of those systems, you're in a way better position 
than trying to figure out how you're going to, you know, secure your, your phone calls or other stuff. Though, when you want to switch away from a, you know, cell phone provider because you still need one, it's also helpful to use uh, VoIP services. You know, I know a couple of people who've switched away from having a cell phone. Do they just use a VoIP service on their desk? And, you know, the phone stays on the desk and that's how it is. You know, there's, there's ways to set limits. Yeah, and you know, I don't trust any network you mentioned. I will always flip on my VPN at hotels, Airbnbs, even at a friend's uh, uh, Wi-Fi and habits. You know, I was listening to Rob Braxman recently and, you know, not clicking on S. I keep getting uh, fraudulent text, uh, SMS messages and emails, and it's a habit. Do not click on that stuff. You got to uh, figure that out. There's so much more. But uh, thanks for coming back, Gabe. I look forward to talking to you uh, next year. Uh, so have a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. And um, uh, again, tell us the best place to find you online. Yeah, I'm on liberalsolutions.network. I have a sub stack and uh, I also maintain my own peer tube for videos. Thank you, everyone. And thanks for listening. I hope you all have an excellent Christmas.